Hello, hello, this is Devin with The Tea Circle. I'm your host today with another Tea Party interview. I have my good friend here, Trent. He will be sitting with us, talking a little bit about him and dive deep into who he is and what he's up to right now. Trent, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, yourself? Good, good, I'm good. Are you ready for today? Um, I have nothing planned besides <laughs> this today, so yeah, I think I'm pretty ready. <laughs> okay, good ready to go. To good. Just hang out at home, finally. <laughs> All right, well, let's yeah. get started then. Cool. I should like to help everyone if possible. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. Human beings at our best are so inventive and creative and ingenious. Where there's life, there's possibility. There is discovery. There is possibility. There is freedom. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you have imagined. Your only limit is your soul. I am awake. I am alive. All right, Trent. So I guess I'm going to start off with the basic question here of who you are and like where you're from and how you've come to a little bit of where you are now. Just kind of summarize to our listeners who you are. Who I am. Yes. Starting off with the philosophical stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Getting real Um, deep here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm Trent. I'm an alcoholic. Um. I'm from Virginia. I've been in Colorado for five years. Uh, I'm a musician is my main interest. Although recently it's kind of, I just haven't been playing as much as I'd like, but Mm -hmm. that is ultimately like what I identify as. And uh, I am starting a career in EMS and trying to help people formally uh, quit my, uh, recently quit my, you know, long-standing career in customer service on a not-so-fun level and trying to change things up a bit. Okay, good. (laughs) Well, I mean, good in the sense that you want to change things for the better for you. But uh, yeah, I am actually super stoked to kind of get into a little bit of each of those kind of more. And so I want to start off with you lived in Virginia first, and that's where you're from, Mm -hmm. right? So what made you move to Colorado? What was your decision in moving here and living here for five years? It was actually really simple. It was just snowboarding. Oh, okay. <laughs> Me and a couple of my buddies back home. One of them is my current roommate, actually. But uh, we we visited Winter Park back in like 20, uh, yeah, 2016. And we were just like, hey, if this, if, if this trip, like before the trip, we're like, Hey, if this trip goes well, we should, we should try to like move out here and work here at the resort and like be ski bums. And like, obviously we loved it. So the next year or later that year, we kind of came out at different times, but like we ended up all migrating to Colorado. We ended up working at winter park for a couple seasons. I, I only did one, but like we were there together. Yeah. That's re- that's really the reason we came out. It wasn't everybody thinks people migrate to Colorado for the weed. Like that wasn't it. Gotcha. Um it was to snowboard and just to do something new, just to leave the nest, you know. Yeah. We were all living with our parents originally before that. Right, right. Um yeah, that's all that got me out here. That's yeah. all it was. Were you doing anything specific in Virginia at the time? I was working a manager at a restaurant um was able to transfer with my job 
to here because they're from their Colorado company. Oh, so it was really okay. easy. Yeah. Um, I won't, we can't say, we shouldn't say names of companies on this podcast, but it, it, we'll just call it a Schmoodles and Schmoopany. Schmoodles and Schmoopany. and Yeah. So I was working with them for like, it was like five years almost that I worked for them total. So yeah, I was able to come out here with the job lined up. So that definitely helped. Yeah, definitely. Because um, I think that some people come in to the idea of moving and not really having anything planned and they just leave or they just move and they don't really have a job lined up. So that definitely probably helped a little bit just to it, kind of have something to yeah, start out it, with. Yeah, it definitely helped. Like compared to like a, one of my best friends, um, Adam, he was the first one. He was one of the guys I came out here with. Um, oh, I made the jump to move. Yeah, he was actually the first to come out here. And he and his girlfriend at the time, they came out here just crossing their fingers and winging it and they made it work like you know they found a place to live they found a job i i kind of lucked out and had you know my job lined up um and had extended family that i could stay with for a little bit so nice props to them for just kind of just making it happen (laughs) right well Um, things happen differently for everybody too yeah that's true i'm definitely i'm definitely grateful for my gateway i guess i don't i'm oh, grateful i'm your I'm, path like your, <laughs> sure i'm grateful life. i'm grateful for my foot in the door oh, that okay. i had yeah. essentially <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sounds good i'm sure they learned a lot though oh yeah from no, that experience did. for sure yeah he yeah. definitely we were talking about it not too long ago it was it's a significant like short time period yeah yeah you know? so does your family still live in virginia yeah my mom and my stepdad and my little brothers and my grandma. Yeah. How yeah. frequently do you get to see them being all the way out here? Uh, usually about once a year. Oh, okay. I kind of go back. So my dad and my stepmom are in Washington oh, state. Okay. So opposite coast of the country. Yeah. Which is super convenient. <laughs> um, whoever's listening can't see me like rolling my eyes when I say that. <laughs> um, but. I'm sure they could sense the sarcasm yeah, in your voice. <laughs> like, trying to inflect a little bit (laughs) but um yeah so i obviously try to like balance out visiting both sides yeah so i I saw my virginia side uh, over christmas i saw dad uh like late summer Uh last year but obviously it's hard to get time off and there's all this other stuff to take into account yeah yeah I don't know how that goes. Yeah, that will. How you make it work. (laughs) Exactly. Just suck it up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you mentioned that you worked at a restaurant out in Virginia, and you actually transferred here to Colorado with the same chain. But then you mentioned that, you know, you went seasonal for snowboarding and skiing at that resort. But you and I, we actually met at a completely different customer service company. And that's how you and I met and became friends. So can we talk a little bit about that on how you transitioned into where I met you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I was working at the restaurant. It was it was noodles and company. I'll just say it. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I, I have nothing bad to say about it. No reason to hide it. Um, it was a good first job. Um, yeah. So I, like, I, like I said, I worked there for about a year, um, and then quit to work at winter park for a season. And so that was just like a six month seasonal job. Uh, it was just an overnight janitor with my buddies and we 
<clears throat> we would work when the mountain was closed. So we had the opportunity to go snowboard or do whatever um, when, uh, when we were off. And so did that for six months. Um, coincidentally, I was traveling back and forth between there and Denver to uh, play with some guys I'd met to play music with. And uh, that kind of stuck out. And so instead of moving back to Virginia with my buddies at the end of the uh, winter season, um, I ended up just moving back to Denver um, and my boss with noodles was is a great friend of mine now uh, his name's sean um he ended up leaving there not long after i ended up ended up leaving um, and he worked at uh he got a job at florin decor which is where you and i ended up meeting years down the line and so when i was moving up to denver i told him i was like hey i'm looking back i'm looking to go back to denver i think i might just go back to noodles and he was like no you should come work at my new job. It's way, it's going to be way better because we retired at the restaurant industry, <laughs> not just noodles, but just, you know, yeah. You were, if you've worked in a restaurant, eventually you're like, okay, I don't want to work in a I restaurant. I want anymore. something a little different. Yeah. <clears throat> and it definitely was different. And so I, yeah, I got to work with my buddy again, which is really cool. He was my boss again, <laughs> coincidentally, but then um, I worked my way up to a number of different positions moved to a different store you know i got actually pretty high up the chain so to speak as far as i was or as far as i thought I, I didn't think i would get to that point so i was pretty proud of that like i was i was a boss yeah which, you were my boss <laughs> technically well I one wasn't. of my one of my one <laughs> of my bosses you were yeah you were well, still a supervisor you still supervised over me i guess so but i wasn't i was in a different well department. i looked at you as a supervisor well, role thank you. model. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was around the time. It's funny. You showed up. You showed up. <laughs> yeah. um, um, you showed up right around when I was like, the tables were starting to turn for me. Like I was in, I was in the operations manager role, which was very significant for me for many reasons. Like it was, it was, it was hard. <laughs> It was a tough job, but I learned a lot from it. And I had been doing that for about a year by the time we met. And I had just switched to like a different role that made it a little easier so that I could start kind of focusing on myself a bit more. And kind of the long-term plan was to get out of it. It was to actually quit eventually. But rather than just quitting, you know, while I was in the operations role, I decided to just take a step back and move to a different role um, where I was only in charge of like two or three people instead of 20. And then the idea was to kind of make it a smooth transition to just leaving the company altogether. Not because it was a bad company to work for, I don't think, but I just wanted to do an entirely different line of work altogether. So when did you hit that light bulb moment where you were, I mean, of course, we all have like, you know, dreams and aspirations to kind of go off into the world and do certain things. But what was kind of your light bulb to change what you were doing at the moment of working at Foreign Decor to leaving and doing something else? Um, like, how did you decide that you wanted to change, change it up? It's hard to pinpoint like a specific time because I remember like, I remember like when I was fresh 
working there, like I'd only been there for a couple months and having the idea to be a firefighter, um, which my dad's been a firefighter since I was a child. Like he's been in with the Seattle fire for 22 years, 23. Wow. Yeah. A good buddy of mine out here is a firefighter uh, with South Metro, he, a bandmate actually. Um, Travis is with South Metro Fire down in, you know, Southern Denver metropolitan area. And so picking his brain about it was, you know, kind of influential as well as having my dad, you know, admittedly, <laughs> you, you know, that stigma with your parents. It's like, oh, I don't want to be anything like my dad. I don't want to be anything like mom. So like you never even consider like doing their line of work as a career. Yeah. So like even though he's been a firefighter all almost all my life, I it took a long time for me to actually sit down and think, huh. Is that something I'd want to do? Because before all that, I was just like, I don't want to be like my dad. Like, yeah. <laughs> just never really. You don't want to fall yeah, in just the same na- line of business. Yeah, just just being naive, just being a kid, yeah. like trying to forge my own path or whatever. Yeah, trying um, to do what you need to do for you instead of copying them or. Yeah, which is. Or being in their shoes, I guess. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's just kids and parents, that whole relationship. But obviously, I finally grew up to be an age where I could not have that kind of mentality and just look at it for what it was yeah. as like as a potential career and i realized like that's actually something that i'd really like to do like it's uh it's exciting it's helping people um obviously it pays pretty well too and there's you know numerous benefits to it but like it seemed a lot more you know enticing as far as like going about your everyday life rather than just doing like a nine to five, trying to just earn a paycheck and just kind of begrudgingly, you know, go through work. It seemed like something that would, it it would force me to be healthy, force me to look at like kind of a, you know, a grander picture as far as, you know, everything goes you know it's yeah. more than just you know be working for more than just myself yeah making um, a difference a little bit too yeah that's kind of the idea and not to get all like so boxy on you but like yeah but we always kind of i think have a little bit of that inside of us kind of our purpose you know yeah like it that was kind of the idea like <laughs> you know there there was almost this is gonna sound weird or bad but like there there's almost like a there is honestly something enticing or intriguing about like the potential danger okay so something like adrenaline or yeah like being being in danger like you know we went to work <laughs> at you know when we go to work at floor and decor like i guess essentially you're in da- you're there's potential danger everywhere you go like you know a forklift could have i mean gone even just haywire. driving in traffic is <laughs> danger <laughs> well yeah sure but like you know you're not most jobs when you think of it isn't like something that there's not a whole lot of risk involved i mean there's risk in everything but not like to the extent of like your life could be on the line and yeah. something and someone I else's kind of, life could be on the line yeah so something seemed it seemed like that would be <clears throat> something about that spoke out to me not that like I crave 
danger. danger. <laughs> or, like, I want to, like, you know. All right, evil Knievel. Risk my life. <laughs> well, no, like, think about it. Like, if you, if you are put in a position where, like, you, you know, your life is at risk, you know, it makes you appreciate being alive a bit more, right? Oh, okay. And maybe make better use of what you do while you're alive, right? I'd like to think so. I mean, obviously there's yeah many different ways that could go. It kind of humbles it, you. Exactly. Like it, humbling. That's the word. That's a great word to put it. That's kind of what drew me to that line of work. That's what kind of gave me interest in it. Like, um, as well as obviously, you know, helping something bigger than myself, you know, like an entire community, like selling people tile and helping out in that way and helping people get things, you know, there's some gratification to it. I'll be honest. Like there were times that I helped, you know, rude customers and whatnot. And by the end of it, they were like, pleasant and happy and like shook my hand and like there's like a yes like I got him like kind of but like there's gratification to you know helping somebody but like I was kind of I got I felt like I was tired of helping people that demanded help and now I want to help people that should be helped that need to be helped yeah, like they can't help themselves sometimes in situations right like something you know because that that's what i was good i think that's what got me far along in my customer service careers like i was good at figuring out how to help people um i think i don't know you might <laughs> think differently but like no i mean i get it because you know just like you i've been in the customer service industry for 10 plus years and there's a certain expectation that people have of you when you work in that field mm -hmm. um, and they don't really respect the field in, in a sense and this isn't everybody but there's somewhat of a privilege that we all have in the community that we are in now like we aren't exactly obviously like cavemen or anymore and we have just everything readily available and just access to us all the time and mm -hmm. so I think we kind of lose that part of ourselves of humbling ourselves and realizing what we have access to everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have firefighters, policemen, we have military, we have nurses, doctors that all help, you know, continue our type of world and, mm -hmm. and things that we don't normally see on a day-to-day -day basis and the things that they have to go through to make sure that we're safe and you know doing good overall uh we kind of miss that and and not to say that we don't appreciate their hard work but i think sometimes it gets unnoticed because we're so wrapped up in whatever our day-to-day -day lives are consisting of and sure. so i think that customer service you kind of realize that yes you are helping people in a very minimal way but it's gotten to the point where like, let's say, you know, grocery uh, stores, they have like self-checkout now. They've gotten to the point where we can do things on our own without anybody's help. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're starting to lose the appreciation of others helping each other out. Like mm -hmm. it's sort of just expected of one another to be like, okay, well, 
you know, I'm to this point where you're in that position and I'm the customer or the client's position, you should be helping me and I expect your help. And it's, we've kind of lost that overall mindfulness of what it takes to help someone else and put that effort into it. So I think that being a firefighter, like there's going to be times where people show that appreciation and some people will just kind of blink the other way. They'll just sort uh, of, the, yeah, there's definitely because, <laughs> you know, in that line of work, it's, it's a job that's expected of you to help other people, but you'll have to kind of find that balance for yourself to know that you are helping people and there's not, you're not always going to get a thank you. Right. And I think that's the, that's a big thing that drew me to It's like, I, I'm going into it, not, or I'm trying to get into it. I should, I should stress, um, hopefully soon. But, uh, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not doing it cause like I want, you know, I don't, I want people to thank me more things like that. Or right. It's like, not wow, the hero aspect. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want people to just be like, look at him. He's a hero. Like, yeah, I'm, it's, it's for myself, you right, know, right. like I want to feel good in what I'm doing. I want to feel like it's making a difference. It's helping towards something bigger than myself. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to put in words. But you want something meaningful for your life. Yeah. You want to live your life believing that you kind of put something into the world versus just general job that kind of sure yeah like it's i mean it would keep i i feel like it would keep me in shape for <laughs> that's one thing. true that's a um, bonus <laughs> you'd see something different every day yeah you know you never know what to expect like and drawing back to what i was saying earlier like might see some some pretty devastating stuff that you know yeah could make humble you yeah keeps you humble makes you appreciate what you have what you have and what you can do but again ultimately to help be an example yeah Try oh to be yeah an example. well and you'll be an inspiration to a lot of people like you'll be kind of and i'm sure at one point or another a mentor to someone else that's trying to get into the same field yeah we'll, we'll see <laughs> Well, the sky's the limit, you know, you can do mm -hmm. whatever you want to do with it. But, uh, so as far as that sort of dream, what have you done so far to kind of aim towards that goal? Well, as you know, I quit, I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yes, quit. I do. But yeah. <laughs> for our listeners, tune them in, let them know what's, <laughs> what happened. I quit and you can too. <laughs> do it right now. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> don't do that unless you really want to. But I don't. Con uh, that's on you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Your um, choice. <laughs> yeah. No, I I did quit my job. Um, I did so respectfully. Like I gave my reasons. I gave enough in the notice and all that. I didn't storm out. Like I said, I right. relationships with yeah. Every with you didn't burn any there. bridges. <laughs> no, no. I mean, in fact, you know, I got references out of it. You know, still keep in touch, things like that. Um, but I quit work to take a class, take a course on a EMS. So becoming like an EMT, getting a certification for, uh, being an EMT. Okay. Um, and that required schooling. It was just three months. 
Um, and I theoretically, I, I could have worked through it, but I felt a, I was never good at school. Like I was never that great. I was, I was enough to get, I, I was good enough to get by like in high school. I did decently, like I got decent grades, but when I got to a community college after that, and this was again, like seven, eight years ago, maybe, yeah. um, I just, I just wasn't motivated. I didn't care. I wasn't getting good grades. There were a few classes I just kind of stopped going to. Um, and I would just, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm making money at work. Like, I, I don't, I don't need to worry about anything else. Like, that's all I want. You know, there's me being 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Things like yeah. that. Um, so back to what I was saying, A, I felt like I would need the time of, between classes to like really focus and study and whatnot. So I felt like maybe if I don't work and I just focus on school, I have a better shot. Right. You know, I'll actually get more out of it. Yeah. And, you know, I was privileged in having like a bit of a savings. I could make that work for a little while where I could still pay rent and whatnot. So I tried to take advantage of that, um, which I'm very grateful for. And so, yeah, I took the class. It was, it was a blast. I made a lot of good friends in it. Most others want to be a firefighter and want to be in fire too, because that's primarily what firefighters are. Like there's about, it's maybe 1% of calls that the firefighter, the fire department answers is for an actual fire. Yeah. It's mostly medical or, you know, medical trauma, you know, all that kind of stuff. Hazmat. Yeah. I can't, I can't recite specific numbers but if you look like that the ratios between like how many calls were medical how many were for public aid or something yeah. and how many are for fires it's like less than a percent oh, <laughs> sometimes wow. yeah so mostly what they do is like emergency medical services you have firefighter paramedics <clears throat> that are like a level above that and so a lot of departments require that you have an ems certification Okay. of some sort, whether it's just EMT or paramedic. Um, so for our listeners that aren't kind of unfamiliar with that kind of line of field, what does EMS stand for and what does an EMT stand for? Like what it, what entails in that? Emergency medical services okay. or EMTs, emergency medical, emergency medical technician. Okay. Um, so those are people that ride in the ambulance that oh, you, okay. know, you call 911, they, pit, they come to your place um, and try to help you out whether that's you know giving you medications or if you've been injured and need to go to the hospital like they'll right so being an emt that helps you transition into a firefighter career yes because like i said a lot of departments a lot of firefighters like fire departments require you to be um emt certified um because that's most a lot job. of what they do. Yeah. Obviously they do a lot more than just that. They obviously can, you know, put out fires, you know. But that's a huge part of the job. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, in EMS, you'll find a lot of people that either are looking to get in fi into fire or already are. You know, a lot of people that I that I went to class with, that I took that class with, the majority of them want to get into fire department. Um, past that and that was kind of a good stepping stone not all departments require it um, they could you know teach you 
themselves and give you the certification but it's definitely like the way i saw it is like it was a definite it was a better there there was a better likelihood of getting into right. firefight you know was emt certified and it's much easier to get in with like a private ambulance company than a fire department oh okay because um, there's i'm in the process of a couple right now that takes a lot more a lot more time and effort you don't just go in for an interview and they give you a job offer it's it's a lot more involved than that. oh i see okay yeah. so you did finish your emt mm-hmm. schooling yep okay so what are some of the next steps that you have to do to kind of get the ball rolling well i'm including that interview <clears throat> okay so so i got my certificate or i got i got my certification that takes you know take uh, you take a test you know whether you pass the class or not which i did pass the class by the way um you still have that basically allows you to take the national registry exam for ms it's called nremt national registry of emergency medical technicians. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, that's countrywide um, that you, it's a countrywide, like standardized test um, that you take. And if you pass it, you are an NREMT certified EMT. Um, and from there you can get like your state level certification, which basically it's just, they just ask, do you have your NREMT certification? Yes. Great. You already see it Colorado. certified EMT. So I got, you know, the certifications I needed. Um, and this was just a couple months ago that I took the test and got, um, got certified and then started looking for, you know, a job to use that for. So there's a number of different ambulance companies in, in Denver, in the world in general. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. If you ever see like an ambulance, like see who it is, it's usually like a standalone company. It's not just Denver Fire or Thornton Fire. So would it be like based that. off like the <laughs> hospital that they come from, or is it? So it's actually they they are private companies. Like the one, so I here I'll use this as an example. I just got on with a, a private ambulance company. Uh, they're called Apex Paramedics. Um, and they're based out of Denver. They actually are right down the road from me as their main station. Um, and they contract out with hospitals um, as well as other agencies, um, primarily to do, it's primarily transfers. A company like this isn't responding so much to like people that are in emergencies. Um, it's more so um, transporting patients from one hospital to another or from hospital home or hospice care, things like that. Yeah. So IFT is a term that you'll hear, which is interfacility transfer. Um, that is a lot of what this company does or ambulance companies, private ambulance companies in general, um, because they're not directly in line with, you know, 911 dispatch. Um, that said though, a lot of them will be contracted out from local agencies like Denver Fire, Thornton Fire and Rescue, um, the police departments yeah. um, as 911 overflow. So just in the last few weeks I've been there, there've been a handful of calls that we've gotten that are overflow from a Denver Denver hospital. Oh, okay. Um, or well, maybe not Denver hospital specifically, but just the city of Denver yeah. <clears throat> where maybe all of their 
you know, medical units um, are occupied. So they'll come to us as a resource for extra calls that they themselves can't okay. accommodate for. Okay. So it's it's obviously, you know, maybe every few calls rather than every call that Denver Fire Rescue gets is for like a potential emergency and things right, like that. Right. Um, it's a lot, le it's, it's less of that. It, it's that peppered into like a lot of like just kind of, you know, standard transfers and things like that, which a lot of people might say is pretty mundane and, you know, boring. Like, oh, I wouldn't want to get on with a private company just to do, just to be basically just be a, <laughs> be an Uber, you know, you're just transporting patients, you know, checking their vitals and then not really needing to do much else. But I was, I, I'm okay with that because A, it's, uh, you know, you're still helping people. Right. Um, and it allows me to hone in my recent education and, you know, fine tune that it's, you know, a little less pressure than like running 911 yes. calls after 911 calls as a fresh EMT out of school right. would probably be nerve wracking. But this way it's, I'm able to get my feet wet. Yeah. In, yeah. In how I was about works. to say that too, is at least it allows you to kind of make your skills a little bit more permanent because they're still fresh, but actually implementing them, it helps you kind of remember those skills a little bit more than jumping in with the pressure. Because sometimes I feel like with that pressure, your mind goes blank and then you're like, oh crap, what was I supposed to do with this? But at least with this, it allows you to get it more experienced. So then when you do get to higher emergency and high pressure situations, you're allowed to think a little bit more clearly because it comes to you more natural than just starting out. Because, you know, it's I think with anything, the more practice you get, the more you're like, okay, I know exactly what to do without question. This is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. If you're coming into it brand new, you're like, was is it this i'm pretty sure it is you don't need that question in the middle of an emergency right so i can attest to that um so as a new emt i was put on with an ambulance crew at cruz usually just two people on an ambulance one's driving one's helping a patient in the back yeah so yeah we'd gotten a few 911 calls and some were more serious than others and there was a couple where i was you know, really had that kind of whoa moment. Like there's a lot more intense, like there's a patient that's clearly in distress, like in pain and is crying. And, you know, the guys I was working with were really working on their feet, like really thinking on their feet and like focusing on the problem. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't like, I don't think I froze up or anything like that, but I definitely realized like I need to, you know, be able to be calm, collect and assess better. Mm -hmm. And like, like really learn, really seeing like what the, what the meaning of that is. Cause obviously we learned that in class. Yeah. Um, you have to be the calm in the storm. <clears throat> yeah. But in the moment you're like, okay, now I have to really train my brain to think that way. Cause it's a little easier said than done when you have situations like that, that are a little bit more serious and you're like, Whoa. Yeah. One thing that we learned in class was like, you want to be a duck. <laughs> a duck oh <laughs> a duck because you see a duck swimming in the water or you see a duck in the water and you just see them you know, just calm. floating along float floating along um but if you were to look underneath yep their feet are going 100 miles an hour yeah. that's basically what you want to do you want to be you know 
quick on your feet. Yeah, you don't want to be like, oh, geez, we got to help this person. You know, you yeah. want to be the, yeah, you want to be level-headed. You want to be the the one that knows what to do. That yeah. you, you want to be the calming agent yeah. amongst, like, people in distress or something. Oh, of like course. That. And if you're talking calmly and, like, <clears throat> firm and, and appropriate, then everybody's like, okay, like, they're not freaking out. I, right. I should. When in your head, you can be like, Holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, what <laughs> yeah. do we do, what do we do? But or like keep it inside. Like, yeah, keep it and to not yourself. necessarily, not saying like, oh God, I don't know what to do, but you're trying to think of like right. all possible, you know, issues. Yeah. Like, do they have an, a head injury? Is this something internal? Could they, they don't have any bleeding. Are they bleeding internally? Right. You know, keep you're trying to control. look at every, yeah, you're trying yeah. to see the, the whole picture. You're trying to keep things moving. And, whatnot. and I, I just stress like I'm saying this. I'm all. I'm still like very new yeah. to this. You know, I'm told I'm doing good, which is nice to hear. But like I'm still figuring this all, all this out too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> but uh, well, that comes with you know pursuing your goal and your dream. Like it's 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 gonna be a learning curve. You're gonna yeah. find things out that you didn't know before. I mean, I'm still constantly learning, even when I'm already pursuing it i'm like i still don't know half the things i probably should know yeah and that's that's also something in in ems and in medicine in general is that it's constantly changing my instructors in that class um actually said like the the class could be a year-long course and you still wouldn't know everything in fact half of what you learned six months earlier would probably change that's crazy yeah it's there's always stuff changing and whatnot obviously you have certain things that just tried and true and are the way to do it forever and ever but the grand scheme of things like nothing's nothing stays the same yeah so yeah that's what i've been doing as far as you know putting my certification and education into practice um and help change my experience or help gain new experience right um which is essential to you know fire and uh, alongside that i doing research and actively you know applying to fire departments and there's no there's no real guilt about you know just starting at one job and applying for another um in this sense because it's actually what a lot of ems personnel do like a lot of people that i work with now that's what their goal is to is to get into fire long term and then this is a way to help supplement that and b it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time to get into a fire department. So like people that are getting accept that are just got accepted to a fire department today, somewhat someplace somewhere mm-hmm. probably won't actually start working there for another like six months because it's more than just, it's more than just an interview, like putting in an application and then going to see them for an interview and then, you know, hoping how it goes. Cause I mean, you know, I was doing interviews at <laughs> Foreign Decor a lot. It's just having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I'm not the same. They're the right fit. Yeah. And just getting to know a lot about them and asking them questions, asking like an applicant questions as many as you want. It's very different with fire. So there's, you essentially take an aptitude test. Um, it's called, well, there's different tests. One that is nationally recognized and utilized in 
more than half of the fire departments in the country is called the fire team test that and then you have to be physically capable as well so there's a standardized set uh, test it's called cpat stands for candidate physical aptitude test that you take that again is recognized by most departments in the country so like you could take these te that test the written and the um, physical test and then you have that as kind of like a record that any fire department that utilizes them can like pull your scores from except for the the CPAT that's just a pass fail you either do it or you don't there's not a grade to it <clears throat> but uh so that's basically like step one is like you take tests and then along with that there's fires fire departments that don't utilize those that they do their own tests they have their own physical tests one that i just applied to um has their own written test and their own physical test that is infamously harder than the cpat than like the national one um which i did that just a couple weeks ago and i got 100 on it i'm super proud of myself right on um, congrats on that thanks but uh yeah i i, I was I did not feel good after. I'll tell you that. It took like a couple of days of recovering. Oh, we really? get, yeah, we can go into more detail of that yeah, later. Sure. You know, departments can use those, can may, may not use them. Whether they use uh, the national test or not, you have to like meet the requirements of like a written test and that you have the physical capabilities necessary to do the job. From there, um, you can you can apply some departments allow you to just apply online and that's with like the knowledge that like you have to have those scores like they have to be able to obtain those scores from you so it's not just applying online by itself as i said um, other departments won't let you apply and they'll actually reach out to you um, if you submit like your scores to them or like make them available for departments to see they'll reach out to you to ask if you want to apply or not. So it's, it's, it's a, uh, there's a lot of different ways to go about it yeah. or like different departments conducted their own way. Like some places like a, a Denver fire actually just had an application online. I could fill out. Oh, wow. it would have been meaningless if I didn't have the CPAT and the fire team test done. Um, but that way they at least can trace my, you know, uh, look up my name and their records yeah. um, of scores and whatnot. Okay. And have that available. Um, and then, like I said, other departments can just do it all on their own. It's their own test, their own physical test and whatnot, and then their own oral board, which the oral board is what I'm in the middle of now um, with a couple departments. I actually just had one two days ago. That's why my face is shaved because you, it's, it's an interview on steroids. They give you a, a specific amount of time. In this case, it was like, it, well, most of them actually are usually just like 20 minutes, maybe 30 um, to answer whatever questions they have. And they usually just have like four or five questions. And it's not like, uh, it, they're not the kind of questions like, where have you worked before? Do you have this kind of experience? Right, no, well, they're I'm asking you like, why do you want to be a firefighter? And you have three minutes or four minutes to, to give them, yeah. you know, to like gain their interest right because i could just be like oh i want to help people yeah 
next that's not <laughs> that's not gonna you have to kind of woo them exactly like you know. that's where and this is what i'm trying to figure out now like as we're talking about this i actually think this is pretty helpful for it because <laughs> i have to like be good at talking yeah um not saying like an um a lot more. <laughs> but uh you basically ha you basically want to prepare like a verbal essay mm, about yeah. yourself yeah and there's there's balance to it like you want to brag in a sense but you don't want to be egotistical yeah at least this is the stuff that i've learned from like other people that have right right there's made a it balance. in fire yeah or have been applying yeah it's it's interesting it's not just your regular interview like it's like you're you're in the spotlight exactly you just have to you have to prove yourself to them and you don't have they're not going to nudge you. They're not going to like uh, assist you or yeah. yeah. Like they're going to ask you the question yeah. and then they're just going to take notes on what you say. Yeah. And this is keep in mind I've only taken I've only done this once so far and it was 2 days ago. Mm. And it was nerve-wracking. Yeah. And it was on a webcam too. Nor normally they're in oh. person, but oh. in this sense, you know, yeah, they were digital. just yeah, they were doing it on the webcam. But there were four fire department uh, firefighters on the screen yeah they had a big clock with like 20 starting at 20 minutes and ticking down oh geez and they said all right we're going to ask you these questions you have 20 minutes to answer them you may use you may choose not to use the whole time but you won't be given any more than 20 minutes wow and yeah you a little bit more strict then yes and you don't know what they're going to ask you can you know you can do research which is what i've been trying to do and like try to gain an idea of like what uh what are common questions in a firefighter oral board? Yeah. Um, but even then, you know, I had a few prepared, like I had a few questions that I was ready to answer. They definitely asked a couple of them were those. Um, they asked a couple that I was not prepared for either. Oh yeah. Always. Um, yeah. So I definitely, definitely didn't do the best. I didn't, I didn't do, I feel like I did. Okay. I feel I'm pretty happy with how it went as far as a very first one goes, Yeah. but yeah. In, I'd be very surprised if they called me back <laughs> or moved me on to the <laughs> okay, next step. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I feel like the way I would look at it though, is a fire station. A lot of the time, those guys have been working together for years. They, it's not something yeah. where you switch jobs or change or transfer very often. I nope. feel like, a lot of the guys that go in there, you know, spend, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, they're lifers. Exactly. And so I feel like the team there that is interviewing you has to believe that they will work well with you. That's because, exactly what they're doing. Yeah. They want, they're, they're looking, they're interviewing you as a roommate, yeah, essentially. Exactly. Like they want to know, like, is this somebody that I can like get along with? Yeah. On a day to day I'm basis. I'm going to be spending all my time that, with you. Yeah. Like, I might share a bunk with this guy. Who yeah. Knows? You know, they're looking at all of that. They're looking at you personally, professionally, how you carry yourself, what experience. Actually, actually, I take that back. They're not as concerned with what experience you have. Yeah. I mean, obviously, being an EMT helps. Yeah, they're not as concerned with what experience you have, like specifically fire related, like, you know, somebody that's been in um with like a like a fire inspection agency isn't going to have a better chance than somebody that 
came no, from No, it's really just getting like to that. know you as a character and if you're going to be able to handle certain situations too because let's say there is an emergency happening, you got to know that the guy has your back and you have his like it's a lot more of a deeper relationship and exactly family like, community you know, that they have there at that station. You know, there's like a there's a camaraderie to yeah. it. Oh, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um even with like bigger departments, you know, like uh, like South Metro has, I think, thirty stations, and that's all. Like that, that's like the biggest department in Colorado, not just Denver. Um, <clears throat> but again, whoever's working at those stations, like they should probably they probably know a lot about one another. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, you know they get along. There, there are tons of different personalities that you know. I guess have to be alike enough in the right ways. You know, they all have a similar goal in mind, things like that. So that's basically what you're trying to prove within these oral boards. Yeah, should you make it through an oral board or should you get uh, accepted after an oral board, then there's academy afterwards where you actually gain like the training specific to the department to being a firefighter. Like I said, you don't have to have fire experience prior to it. Well, yeah, because they are going to teach you on how to, like, yes. do that stuff. It could help. Like, there's definitely oh, volunteers. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely, like, people that have been volunteer firefighters that have gone in That's true. full-time That's true. career. So, yeah, academies can be, uh, well, they can vary. I've heard anywhere from, like, a month to three months. I guess it depends on where you go. And if it's volunteer or not, sometimes it can be, you know, three hours a night or eight hours a day for five weeks oh, okay. or five, uh, five days a week. I mean, you can volunteer for that long. Wouldn't that be full time? Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Usually volunteer academies, because even volunteers will have their own academy, but they're oh. like a few hours a night for a few weeks because obviously they need to be working elsewhere. Okay. But yeah, all, all that say is, you know, so there's the, just starting from the beginning, there's like the written test, the physical test, the oral board interviews, academy, and then even if you get hired on, usually your first year is like probationary and theoretically could get cut. Oh, you know, wow. So it's it's a long-term process. And like I said, I'm still in the middle of it. I'm not even, you know, I have yet to get hired on anywhere, but I've been taking steps to you know, to get to that point, I've been picking up what I've learned from other people that are trying to get into fire or already are mm -hmm. into fire. So obviously maybe take a grant, take a, everything I'm saying with a grain of salt, but <clears throat> yeah, that's, you know, my understanding of the process and that's what I've been working, working towards. So would you say that, uh, if you don't get, this is like worst case scenario, if you didn't sure. get into the fire station right away would you volunteer yeah i'm not opposed to that um with my w with working as an emt um they're they're 12 hour shifts um so like i've been working 7 p.m to 7 a.m um the last couple weeks but wow. it'll be either three or four days a week so there's definitely room to do like a, have a second job if i really wanted to right I thought maybe about like teaching guitar maybe for a little bit, but yeah, volunteering at a station, you know, being a volunteer firefighter is definitely uh, an option. Um, my trainer actually was or is a volunteer firefighter um, 
outside of working as an EMT. Um, I got my fingers crossed for him. Hopefully he's hired on as a career firefighter there. Yeah. Um, here soon. And I'm his last trainee. Um, really good dude. His nice. name's Jake. It's cool. But yeah, so all that to say is like, it's a long process to get into, um, get into any fire department. Right. Um, and you know, worst case scenario, if I don't get hired on anywhere, volunteer or not, I can still keep applying different yeah, departments. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of them. I mean, they're always going to have, well, I won't say always, but this day and age, they're pretty, uh, they're in need. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Well, especially with the fires that happened in California and, and Colorado, like mm -hmm. both, they, they were at one point, cause my, my cousin is actually a firefighter. He's cool. a firefighter down in a smaller town. It's called Canyon city. It's right next to Pueblo and Colorado Springs here in Colorado. Oh. Um, but he started out as a volunteer and then I think they finally hired him full time, but it took a little while because they didn't have, um it's not a very big town yeah. um so they don't have the means to hire a bunch of guys full-time yeah um, and there's a lot of those where... but they sometimes need the volunteers mm -hmm. but he at one point was jumping to canada and jumping to other locations where they called them for help because just they didn't, just didn't have enough people they didn't have you know the means to be able to maintain that fire uh, all on their own so they call people outside of state to call people in for help and you know uh, sometimes it's just volunteer of being like yeah I'll go or you get assigned that spot because they just don't have they just need as much help as they can get yeah that's very true kind of touching up on that with like the wildfires here in Colorado from uh about a year ago there was there probably there could have been actually volunteers from like out of state coming but there was definitely like a big coalition of different departments up in like fort collins and oh, yeah. Boulder area where they you know they were all working together it wasn't jurisdictions kind of took the wayside like of who's yes yeah is what and, and they, you know really joined together. my cousin really has cool. done the same thing he's helped with fires you know in the northern areas and like ss park and stuff like that yeah. i remember that happening and yeah, it's just, it's crazy because, you know, you don't think about that on the bigger scale until it happens, but mm -hmm. it's cool that uh, you want to do that. I'm really excited for you, and I'm really excited to see where you end up for that. Um, I guess one of my questions, follow-up questions real quick, is do you plan on staying in Colorado? I want to say the word forever, but, I mean, honestly, like, do you plan on ever, like, really moving or, like, having... Like, let's say there's an opportunity outside of state to become a firefighter. Will you take it? I am definitely not opposed to leaving Colorado. I don't plan to as of right now. Obviously, I'm still pretty early in this process. So I could see if, yeah, it was, you know, just taking too long. Like a year from now, I've applied to every department I could and been turned down. I could see, well, maybe out of state is a better option. I have heard apparently it's a uh, pretty tough in Colorado to be a firefighter. Tougher here hmm. than other places. Why is that? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Um, but that's just what I've understood. I mean, could just be population density. How many people there are here? I mean, like I was saying, the one process, one of the processes that I'm in, that that department that has their own 
written and physical, there were a lot of people there um, wow. doing the 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 physical test. So this was um, this is with West Metro Fire. Oh, yeah. When I went to go do the physical test, there's a hundred or so people there, and that was just the day that I went and the hour that I went. They did multiple right. days of testing for people. Some people redid it. Yeah, um, I was anticipating having to retake it um, to try and get a better score after the first time. Um, luckily, I was pretty happy with how I did the first time. Good. But yeah, th there's a pretty big applicant pool and that's just with one department. Wow. Know? Who knows how many else are yeah. applying to other places. Again, I'm taking that with a grain of salt. I still have to give that a try. But yeah, like I said, if it was, if it came down to that point where I just wasn't having any luck here, I might start looking out for other, you know, out of state opportunities. And I mean, I've already looked, uh, coincidentally, my dad's apartment, Seattle Fire Department is hiring now. And then, <laughs> yeah. That's I'd, funny. Yeah. Would I, you uh, live in Seattle? Would you move there? I could see it happening. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I love the Pacific Northwest. I mean, it, living in Seattle, maybe not. I mean, I feel like I've had enough of like city living in Denver. Yeah, but um, you could do in an area in Washington. Yes, that's what, that's what I'm getting. That's yeah. exactly what my dad does. He lives like 40 miles away. Yeah. Um, like that's more desirable. Cost of living still is pretty high overall in Washington. Yeah. Like it's even more than here from what I can tell. Yeah. So maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah, I just kind of see where it takes you. Yeah. I've mainly just been focusing on like, opportunities here right of course exhaust all those before i but at least you're open-minded to the the fact that it you know just to keep your options open right sure. it comes down to like what's more important like right the career you know what i want to do for a career or just where i'm at you know yeah and for I location love, yeah yeah and mm -hmm. i i love denver as a you know i still love being here i love colorado i love being close to the mountains this has been my home for five years and there's more of a connection to here rather than, you know, you know that, that, that gives you an upper leg in flying to places. You know, they yeah. want somebody that's, you know, cares about what, where they're serving. You know, right. That's well. true. Yeah. So I feel like if I, if I did seek out a department in, I don't know, California or something like that, right. You know, it wouldn't hold up the same meaning. And I probably would look less desirable because I would just say like, I'm just applying here because, you guys were yeah, at least being here because I care about this community specifically. Yeah. Um, obviously, you could test to just any community in general being, you know, just society in general or whatever. But caring about the place that you serve specifically is it's a it's a higher level of you know service. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. And like, you know, the area a little bit more, too. I mean, just yeah. just kind of knowing your surroundings, not exactly. to say that you couldn't learn that, but it's just knowing the area and feeling comfortable with where you're at and stuff like that when being on the job. Exactly. You know, knowing where things are. Like someone said, oh, there's a fire off of a uh, 80th and Sheridan. Yeah. I have a know where decent idea is. where that is. Yeah. They yeah. need to be taken to St. A's North. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. That's maybe like a 15 minute drive. Right. Like that. Yeah. All that said is I'm not opposed to it because like I said, the career in this sense and lifestyle for that matter is more important than just my location yeah you know i can adapt to places you know i can adapt to change yeah um as much as i like i said i i don't want to leave which is right now but i right. have to have a good reason to leave yeah yeah so well that makes sense mm -hmm. 
Okay, so to completely change subjects here, I uh, wanted to jump back into a little bit about your music. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit before, but I want to dive deeper into it. You mentioned that while you were working at that snowboard ski resort uh, for that seasonal job that you had, you mentioned that you were living with some of your bandmates. So can we kind of just talk a little bit more about that and do you still live with them or is it something that are you guys still playing music? I just uh, tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah. So um, I'll kind of recap. Uh, I lived in Denver for a little bit and I met them right before I was moving to winter park to, you know, work there for the season. And during that season on my days off, I would drive down to Denver and hang out with them. We would write and play music mm -hmm. um, at their house it was two guys primarily. Um, the names were Travis and Matt, two of my best friends now, um, had a project that they had just started called Dango. And it's dang, like dang it, like just D-A-N-G, oh. apostrophe O. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was it that that name was there before I ever came into the picture. Um I honestly kind of thought it was stupid at first. <laughs> I was like, that's a stupid name, but it's just stuck. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was always curious on how you came up with that name. It was a, uh, it was something Matt did. He would just call like little ideas, like, like little riff ideas, like, oh, that little thing of thing. Like it was oh. just kind of like that little ditty or that little whatever. Gotcha. Okay. So, Dango just became the name of it. It was not. I always thought it was like had something to do with like Boomhauer from King of the Hill, but that's not <laughs> it. Um, yeah. So when I was living, I was about to move to Winter Park, and uh, I was like, "Well, hell, I've been in Denver for like however many months now, and I haven't met any, haven't met any musicians, and that's like what I'm about music." And so I made a couple posts on like some Facebook groups, just Denver music groups or uh, Denver music scene, whatever. There's a few of them. And I just posted some videos of me playing some original songs. And it's like, hey, type, type, type. This is some of my music. Uh, just looking to branch out and meet some other musicians. Let me know if you want to jam or something like that. And Travis <clears throat> uh, reached out to me and said, hey, I play in this band. We're pretty new and we kind of want to sound along the lines of what you're playing. Um, do you want to come hang out and jam with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and I was living in an apartment at the time down by DU and they were at a house, you know, a little farther up north, still in Denver. Met up with them there. So I met up with Travis and Matt and there was another drummer at the time who I only met him a couple times and then he kind of just yeah, he, he just kind of couldn't make it. <laughs> right. Um, so it was mainly just uh, me, Matt, and Travis. So I'd met up with them. I'd watched them play a few of their songs. I picked up a few things like that they were playing. Um, and we messed pretty well together, like personality-wise and music-wise. Like we had a pretty diverse, you know, interest in music, each of us individually, but they all worked really well together. Mm. Um like I was more into like the obscure death metal kind of stuff. And they were more into like maybe some more straightforward, like heavy stuff, but also like post hardcore or jazz and things like that. And I, you know, dabbled, it, it, it all worked out, you know, there's, yeah. 
a bunch of different branches we all kind of went off of. Um, so yeah, I spent that whole season working at Winter Park and living in Winter Park. I would drive down to Denver um, to these guys, their house, and uh, and sleep on their couch and play music with them. And nice. so was, I pretty much lived there like almost all my days off. It was like half the time that I was working there. I was living here with them. At the end of the season, uh, I, I originally planned on moving back to Virginia, but then by that time, by the time it came, I was like, well, you know what? I, I like these dudes. I like this music that we're playing. Let's, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to stick it out here. And uh, it just worked out. I was able to move in with them. So the three of us lived together for quite a while, like a couple of years, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, maybe a little less than a couple of years. So you don't years. live with them now? No, I'm, I, I still live in the same house. Mm-hmm. Um, once COVID happened, you know, we kind of, things definitely changed. But that two years we were, you know, there's the three of us living together. We did get another drummer. His name is also Travis, which is very confusing. <laughs> two so, Travises. Yeah, yeah there's, I could see that. Travis, the bassist, and uh, we call him Travo um, oh. as a nickname, and that kind of distinguish helps distinguish the two for one thing. Um, so Travo and bass. Matt is another guitarist like myself, and then Travis uh, on drums, which he's the one that he didn't live with us, but he's been in, in the band. He's been in the picture for like four years now. Oh, okay. Um, probably. How did he come to? Uh, we spent guys. a while, we spent a while looking for a drummer and we had, there were a couple that like we played with for a little bit, like, you know, would invite over and would learn like a bit of our songs and we'd jam with them. It, we mainly just used Craigslist, like put up ads on Craigslist saying like, Hey, we're looking for a drummer. Um, here's some of our songs and we just have like some demos that we wrote. Oh, okay. Um, either videos or just MP3s. <clears throat> and, uh. Yeah, it took it took a while. It was, it feels like a while, but looking back, it probably was only like maybe six months or so. Like uh, like when I was coming down from Winter Park to hang out with them, it was just the three of us, oh, pretty okay. much, and a couple in and out like guys that we jammed with for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, Travis reached out or responded to one of uh, one of Matt's ads on Craigslist about looking for a drummer. He listened to some of our stuff that we'd sent him and we, he kind of had a good idea of like how to play it or like how, or well, how it went. And then he put his own drums to it and it just worked. It just worked really well. And we're like, yep, this is, this is our guy. And that's been the way that's been what it was ever since. And so, yeah, eventually we started playing shows, put out an EP. uh, It was like the summer of, 2019 we play a show like every month or two a decent following nothing we're not famous or anything but uh you know had music up on all platforms could get a lot of really good responses from people that would come see us we're instrumental we don't have vocals yeah i noticed that because i actually (laughs) didn't even know you were a band when i first like well i mean of course we were working together so that wasn't kind of like our relationship yeah i definitely like first but I, i definitely like didn't talk about it much not because i was like embarrassed but i just feel like it's like ah it's not the time yeah yeah work first versus social but then you and i started like working out with um our friend jason which is my roommate and we started getting to know each other a little bit more 
yeah. then you sent that invite for your band because then COVID, uh, it, its restrictions are slowly starting to ease off a little bit. Yeah. And so you had your first show since that. And I was like, oh, I haven't even gotten to see him play. Like, I've seen a little bit on, like, social media, but not mm-hmm. much. And that was just you, not, like, a part of a band. Yeah. So that was pretty exciting. And then when we went, I was like, this is good music. And I was like, oh, they don't have any vocals. That's, nope. that's, <laughs> I, that threw me off, too. Nothing wrong with it. I just, uh, like, for me, I was like, oh, okay, this is, like, pretty cool. And I tell you what, it was out of the... <laughs> <laughs> you're my friend and i'm not just saying this but i enjoyed your guys's show a lot more than the other bands that were there <laughs> oh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm just saying that like <laughs> nothing against them they did a great job you know playing and stuff like that but i just got into it i was like oh yeah like i could like really get down to this <laughs> like i was like headbanging i was like okay i see um what made you but i always wanted to ask what made you not like incorporate vocals a couple reasons a like like i said the four of us got along really well it's worked out and it it's hard to add like a new a new member Uh, it's more than just like a a member of the band like it's someone that's got to like mesh well personally oh yeah musically but none of you thought about singing thought about it i've i've thought about it but like it's just it's worked so well without it we're like we don't need it if something comes along like if somebody comes up to us or i I don't know it's just it's not been that it hasn't been as important yeah if someone were to come up with this which would be like just um, (laughs) miraculous like hey i'm a singer i sound really good and We'll sound great together and we don't have to do any work and like trying to find one <laughs> yeah. that'd be great but like well and yeah, maybe have it's... a demo with your music with his voice on top of it or something to uh, show yeah, that obviously. it goes really well together but yeah. yeah we've definitely talked about it on and off and like there have been a couple times like someone's like we've approached somebody or they've approached us and you know tried or like heard like some demo ideas of like yeah. a singer on or stuff but it's just never really been necessary. Yeah, never you know, really we, clicked. We, mm. yeah, we've tried to keep uh, the music that we've put out so far. It's mostly been pretty, you know, musically instru- uh, interesting on its own. Yeah, to where it kind of takes up some of that portion, or at least we like to think it takes up some of that right. portion oh, of yeah. instrumental or of what a voice would normally do. Um, and a lot of the the sound that we go for and like kind of the genres that we are inspired by actually do have a pro- a very prominent instrumental um scene I, I guess so to say like there's yeah. a lot of big bands that are pretty successful that are instrumental like uh animals as leaders or Pliny or intervals are big um uh inspirations get like big contributors that uh influence our sound right um well and it's funny that you say that because i was just about to bring up that like take Lindsay Sterling, for example, mm-hmm. it's her and her violin. She doesn't sing mm-hmm. like she just has her instrument yeah. and she's like very well known, like she's up there. And yeah. uh, I would say that she's done a lot of different uh, collaborations with other people, too. So that might be a possibility that you collaborate with someone that is a yeah. singer. But I say that, like, honestly, if you if it's not 
necessary you don't need it i mean like it your music sounds good as is and what's nice about instrumental music like that is that you can kind of tell a story without the the lyrics too that's exactly what our website says <laughs> oh. <laughs> telling stories without i lyrics. promise i wasn't cheating <laughs> that's okay that's okay i'm actually really glad that you did that without like any prior influence because <laughs> yeah i came up with that i was like oh, that's a good like little <laughs> tidbit of like tagline yeah Yeah. tagline for our band yeah um dangoband.com that's what it is (laughs) i'll reiterate that later yeah Um, yeah but uh yeah so like we definitely dabbled the idea of getting a singer and collaborating like we're we're really open to that you know because that's a lot less pressure like it doesn't have to be a fifth member it can just be like a a good friend of ours that you know chimes in every once in a while because you know some of our songs we feel like don't need lyrics or like or other others could you know would benefit more from it than others but a lot of them like stand pretty well on their own without it and it almost seemed like it would be trying too hard or trying to force something by adding you know vocals or something like that yeah um so yeah it's like i said a few different reasons a part of us just part of it is we just don't want to go through that struggle of finding a singer when we're doing all right on our own yeah. or have been, but yeah, it's, it's a number of different things. We're open to it. Um, it's hard to be open to not to be opposed to anything right now because the band's pretty stagnant. Um, yeah. Which kind of brings me to my next question. Like you mentioned at the very beginning of the interview that you haven't played as much mm-hmm. right now. Uh, how come and like is there really a reason or yeah obvious reasons so if you weren't aware um the world kind of turned upside down a couple years ago (laughs) um, (laughs) with covid and whatnot so it was up up to that point that i was you know we were still living together well actually i take that back travis had moved to an apartment um but me and matt and his girlfriend were living together and the band house we call it casa de la dango um, <laughs> nice that's yeah. actually really good i like yeah. that yeah i'm pretty proud of that one too <laughs> um but yeah so like but we were still we we're still all here in denver like we were we would still meet up and practice and whatnot um obviously when covid hit uh shows stopped um we weren't able to go to practice as much like obviously we few of us lived together um so we would still do stuff in around the house but uh it was a lot less frequent it obviously is just less practical to be in a band at that point so everybody kind of started focusing on themselves like uh matt ended up moving uh with his girlfriend down to texas they and they bought a house because he's always wanted to be a homeowner, which is great. And he loves Texas. And it went back to like where he had lived before. And then Travo oh. moved to Oregon because um, he kind of had enough of Denver. And he was wanting to start something new. He had some connections out there. Nice. And uh, yeah, just wanted to expand his horizons. Yeah. Um, and then our drummer, Travis, had kids, which is a, obviously a very big, big changer. So... We didn't break up, but we just kind of had like a lot of, you know, life just kind of happened, yeah. obviously. Life but changes. Same, yeah, same thing as everybody went through in the last couple of years. So we're still loosely, I use the word loosely, we're still an active band, as in like we 
if you ask any of us, we're like, yeah, we're a band. We're not broken up. But beyond that, we're not doing much. Gotcha. Um, I obviously, as I mentioned earlier, I've been focusing a lot on this career change. Yeah. And getting that. So that's taken a lot of my mental and physical energy. So I admittedly have not played my instrument very much in recent months. But, uh, you know, it's still it's still the goal. In fact, part of what, you know, part of this career change is supposed to kind of supplement that, you know, um, make it more possible to be a musician. That's actually pretty common in fire. Um, really? Like, like my drummer, like, uh, Travis, like I was telling you, he's, oh, yeah. yeah, he's in a lot of, he's been in a lot of music projects and has been a firefighter the entire time for like 10 years now. Oh. Um, so you the, get both of the best of both worlds. That's kind of the idea. You yeah. don't work any less, but the schedule's so different. You can have like you know, you yeah. know, days off at a time where like if you wanted to do like a, a little tour, like a little week long tour or something. Yeah. Or know. really just work on making more music. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is exactly what he's doing. I'm super happy he's doing it. He's gone back to school for music. He's oh, nice. doing a lot of. Uh, well, and that should help the band a little bit too. I think maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he does a lot of like the orchestrational kind of stuff for oh, okay. us. Nice. Um, they, they'll compose to go over top music that we've written. And he does music for video games, like indie games. Cool. Um, that's a big drive for him. Like he actually is making like a career out of it. Nice. Um, again, big inspiration for me to go into that line of work because, you know, obviously there's satisfaction and reason to do it on its own just to be in that career but also it supplements you know my yeah. own personal interests of music it kind of like all that. flows together exactly yeah. it's it all yeah it all interconnects yeah so anyways yeah life definitely kind of came to a halt or well life happened and music came to a halt not we didn't go our separate ways but we definitely are at a distance now like everybody's trying to live their own life luckily as you mentioned we had that show just a few months ago since COVID restrictions have been kind of easing up, like things are somewhat back to, they're more back to normal now than they were in March and April of 2020. Oh yeah. Um, I don't doubt it. Yeah. So like we were able to put that show together with some bands that we had played with a couple years prior. And it was kind of like a, you know, like coming back. Yeah. It, it was kind of a comeback thing. You know, we did that one show that was almost two years since our last the last show that we had played. Yeah, you were telling and, me that. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was really nice. Um, the boys were back in town. <laughs> yeah, the boys were back <laughs> yeah. In town. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Matt and Travis came back into town. They stayed at my house. Um, we rehearsed our songs. You know, kind of tightened things back up again because we were a little rusty. Yeah. Um, and Travis came down too, and we all got to practice again for the first time in a year. Yeah. At least at least a year. Um, we actually finished writing a song that we'd had like mostly written from like the year before. Yeah. And then just kind of never finished it. Oh, I and so we got it ready it. for the show. Yeah. It was really yeah. cool. We got to play a couple things that we hadn't before. Um, and so that was really, that felt really great. I, I mean, you were talking about the show, like that felt awesome for us, like just to get back on the stage. Um, playing with each other it just went right back to how how it used to be yeah you know? yeah and so with all that said like you know since that since that show nothing has really happened like we still have music that we have yet to release that needs to be like properly recorded and whatnot 
and right. you know a bunch of ideas that have yet to be fleshed out in the full songs um so have you guys came up with a game plan yet for that no i i hate to say it i mean it's been there's a number of different things so like i said the few songs that we have written that we want to record it's a matter of getting all of it properly recorded at, on our own because yeah. we're not all able to just hang out in my bedroom and record right next to each other right. and tighten it all out. So we have to rely more on ourselves by ourselves to like get like the you know the cleanest takes possible. Yeah. You know they're the best, you know most in time and like the right tones and all that. So there's a little bit of a setback with that. Yeah. Um, obviously, composing is difficult because we're not all sitting in the same room. Well, could you but, plan a trip? You know, here in a couple months to do that. That's kind of the idea is to every so often, like a few times a year, meet up, kind of, you know, play together and write together. We still have been able to, it's been infrequent, but there have been periods where we've written at a distance. Like we've gone on webcam and hashed out some ideas for some riffs that, you know, yeah. some of them are riffs that we've had forever. Oh, yeah. But we've been like, hey, I have an idea to add on to this or want to structure this. Right. Thing and out. so I guess the way to look at it is you could like, digitally and like over face cam and stuff like that plan some of it together and then actually put it together when you plan a trip to see each other exactly and that in that regard we have planned that out nice the thing is is that it's easier said than done yeah oh yeah we you know as busy as you all are yeah everybody's got their own jobs everybody's got their own yeah things that they're doing that's why you just like say hey try to get this day this time two months from now go <laughs> we've tried or that. three or three months we, we've tried that too it's, really it, oh, again wow. it's been it's been difficult yeah and something does need to change like i do want to um make an effort here sooner than later to like really you know step things back up again yeah you know, to how we used to be it's just like i said i can't i can't say much because i've been putting a lot of time and effort into this career change that where i've, I've barely been you know playing my instrument so i don't want to egg the other guys on and then i come out and play like crap because i haven't been practicing and okay like that. so you're saying that There's, you kind of want to have to come back to your yeah i think that's that's the main thing is yeah. that it starts internally yeah like, with you i need to get back to a point where i'm playing more regularly i'm you know actually practicing my craft again like yeah. i used to be and then i'll be justified and like yeah reaching out to the other guys and you're a little bit more confident coming to them and being like let's Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. And, and all this said, like, even though we've been at a distance and not doing anything musically, we've all been like tight, tight friends. Like we all still have our group chat going that started four years ago and we'll FaceTime each other and, you know, just catch up and try to come up, you know, we'll try to get uh, the music going, but obviously we're all understanding and pretty content right now that we all have our things going on and that it's, it's not, the music's not over. It's just, you know, it's just been on pause yeah. for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's ultimately why we're doing everything that we are doing individually. And, you know, I'll admit, like, worst case scenario, maybe this band doesn't end up picking back up the way it used to. We're all still musicians at heart, and that's, like, what we're doing 
what we're doing for. Yeah, of course. And it's not like that friendship of your guys's will ever, you know, decrease. It's, no. Definitely. You'll just have to find other ways of... And even then, it's still just going back to, like, not necessarily the same, but being able to revert to your natural way of just making music together. Like, you guys did that at the beginning where you were, you know, jumping from your job up at the ski resort in winter park. And then you came back just to play with them. Sometimes that's what you need just to play and not so much pressure on like actually hashing out a song, a full song Mm -hmm. to play. And that's, that is a huge drawback for me personally. Like I, I'll like, especially now that it's so sparse, that I'll go out and play. I set like this expectation for myself. It's like, okay, I need to like walk it. I need to go in my music room. And I need to walk out with like a new idea or like a new skill or something. Mm-hmm. And it sets all this pressure on my set. I'm setting this pressure on oh, myself. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. It ends up just ruining it. I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. And I like then become discouraged from coming up with new ideas. Yeah. Because I feel like I need, I either need to or that I can't. Yeah. You <laughs> need both. to go back to your roots. Yeah. Because I, to be honest, I'll. <sighs> I'll admit it. I do the, I did the exact same thing with my art. That's what I'm doing right now with my art, which like, you know, whether it be wood burning painting, like I want to do it so bad, but I have this expectation and this, this expectation of myself to come, you know, into the room ideally and like paint something and come out with a finished piece. And it just, (laughs) and then I really am so hard on myself when nothing comes out of it or I just don't make something because I'm so pressured, you know, by myself to do it that I'm not as motivated to make something. Yeah. And then, then I'm even more mad at myself that I just didn't, didn't didn't (laughs) just do something. It's a vicious cycle. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. I'm glad you understand what I'm talking about because this has been has been going on for a while. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just it's so disheartening. It is difficult. We I used to write a ton. Mm. Like just on my own. I would record my own guitar and like program drums and like write just song after song, you know, of just stuff that may or may not end up getting played by a band or by myself. I mean, there's stuff that I don't even remember. How yeah. to play probably, but there's an MP3 somewhere on my computer that right. shows I did at one point. Yeah, and now for some reason it's like I've built. I might just be reiterating what I said, but like you've like built this expectation that you have to create masterpiece something new. Yeah, it's got to be not even really a masterpiece, but like just something concise that there's all these like stipulations to it. Like this has to be something that sounds like this band. It has to be playable by its other members and comprehensible. It's got to meet these like structural standards. Like it's got to be in this, not like certain keys, but it's got to be an A key. I, I didn't used to think about stuff like that. Yeah. I just wrote what sounded cool. Um, well, and the best part of just doing stuff like that is there was no expectation that it needed to be or do anything. It was just for your enjoyment. Exactly. And that's where I'm at with my art. I'm like, oh, will it sell? Will other people like it? Will other people buy it? Will, you know. Will it sell? Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. And that is always on my mind now. I hate it. Yeah. Because 
It should That's just not be what about, it should be about. Yeah, it should just be about the enjoyment of just doing it, whether yeah. someone likes it or wants to buy it or not. Yeah, but that's the that's the constant struggle with being an artist of any sort. Oh, is yeah. you want to be able to live off of it. Oh yeah. If you want to live off of it, you have to be able to sell it. Yeah. And if you want to be able to sell it, you have to cater towards an audience. Yeah, and figure and out what sells and what people what the audience wants. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, this went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it did, didn't it? But <laughs> yeah, but it's that's a, the reality of but it. But that's the idea, and it's to kind of pick you know each other's brains and see kind of the reality of it and you know the kind of the you know it's not so much rainbows and unicorns all the time you gotta also kind of look into deeper of what you know goes through an artist's mind honestly because you know it's as easy as saying um an artist but it's one thing to say it and and actually implement it in my life somewhere and somehow because like right now I have so many projects on my mind, but I have, you think I've done any of them? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's, it's so discouraging. And yeah. obviously everything that's happening nowadays just doesn't, it almost just makes it seem like pointless, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so this is where I had to change my mindset a little bit is even though I'm not making art, I have to think of what I've positively done with my life so far and what I'm doing with my life right now mm -hmm. is even though I haven't been making art I've actually started to meditate I've started to stretch I've started to read again I've wanted to start reading again for I don't even know how long and I don't even read for that long it's even like 15 minutes or like a chapter a night but it's at least getting me into it to where it's not so much forcing myself because it's so funny because I just mentioned this in a episode about good habits versus bad habits, but just doing a little bit here and there and just making it consistent, um, to turn it into a habit. Right. So if you do it so many times, I think it's like 37 to 40 times before it actually becomes a habit. I can't remember the actual, um, the, the technical research of it right now at this point, but the idea is, is if you do it so many times, it just becomes a natural part of your schedule and just your day-to-day -day regular thing. It mm -hmm. You don't even have to question it, it because it's now become a habit, uh, whether good or bad, it's now something that you do all the time. So with my reading, 15 minutes isn't that much, but there are times where I'm like, oh, I'm, I have a little bit more time. So I'll read an extra chapter. So now that I've actually implemented these little things that I haven't done for me and I wanted to do now when it comes to art, something a lot bigger and more important to me, I'm like, okay, I know how to tackle it now. I can't go into it expecting this huge piece being finished by the end of it. I just need to work on little doodles or drawings, you know, or, you know, brainstorming. I've actually started doing these little brainstorming, um, exercises, uh, with my boyfriend Jay and what we do is we just share a screen together and we'll write a word and then we'll swap and I'll add to that word so like for example if you said sky and then what's the first word that pops into your head you would Whoa. write it down right so then you write blue down so then me I'm like okay well what's the first thing I think of uh when I think of blue for some reason, I don't know why, but monsters incorporated 
for Sully yeah. popped in my head. <laughs> so I write that down. Um, but we then added in a little extra step, him being a graphic designer and me being an artist as well. We have little doodles next to this word. So we're not necessarily creating a piece. We're not creating like a project, but brainstorming gets your mind going a little bit more that it allows you to kind of get outside of your head. Because for me, when I plan, I plan, like when I do a project, I plan it out. I'm like, this is what it's going to look like before I even start it. And sometimes you can't do that. You just got to play. And I think that as you get older, the issue with most adults is the reason why they don't continue some of the things that they did when they were kids is because they start analyzing every little bit of it. The idea here is to just play like we've forgotten a little bit and not completely. We still have a little bit of kid in us, but I think that we've kind of forgotten the whole sense of just playing and just not really caring what the outcome is just play. And you know, because we enjoyed it, not because we expected something out of it at the end of it. That, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like growing up, we think more about, you know, staying afloat and having set expectations, you know, whether that means, can I sell this piece or will it be worth something to someone else rather than just to, to us, Yeah. you know, for our own enjoyment Yeah. and that just, it kills the, it kills creativity. It yeah. kills motivation and enjoyment out of it. Well, and I think the message here to us and just to other people is that, I mean, it's easier said than done, but if you start thinking of it as a paycheck or, you know, what's going to sell, then you lose it as an enjoyment. So the idea here is, is if you make it because you enjoy it and you love it and you're passionate about it and you're not caring about the outcome or if it sells more than not, I have a feeling that people are going to just like it because you're passionate about it. You know, people feed off of the positivity and passion that you put into things and that what you believe in. Right. So if you are creating something just because you're creating something and you love it, other people are going to gravitate towards you, whether you meant for it to or not. You know, the idea here is that even when it comes to sales, some people, you know that they don't want it, but you have to sell the idea of making them think that they want it or showing them what they didn't know they wanted. Right. So it's not necessarily about what everybody else is making, what's selling and making it to where, oh, what's what's something that they they want? No, no, no. I'm going to make what I want and make them think that they want it. I think that's the best way to look at it, because if you're focusing on what they want, a lot of the time we don't know what we want. Our audience don't know what we're, they're looking for or what they want. You have to show them what they want. And by showing them what they want, it's what you're creating, whether they're there or not. Yeah. Now it's, it's just implementing it. <laughs> yeah. But it's just trying to change that mindset a little bit, a little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit. Yeah. And like I said, it's in the, in the long term, it's still music, still my main interest. Yeah. And art is every, for me too. Exactly. It will always be there. But we, 
you know, we've been doing all these other things with the end goal of it helping our creativity. Yeah. You know. I think we'll get there. I think, I don't think it's, and the fact that you just said that, I know that it won't go anywhere because it's still there. We still are very much passionate about it. It's just, we're stuck in this little, little gray area where we're trying to create a life for ourselves that we can implement our passions and our creativities um, all the time, not just every now and again. Right. So yeah, there you have it, folks. uh, (laughs) Yeah, some deep talk right here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that I think the main. I mean, because I'm I'm not gonna try and like, you know, sugarcoat it and be like because because I mean I'm like everything I'm telling you about myself like it's true like I've been pretty like lackluster creative you know creatively I haven't really been delving into that but it's I think the main thing is that you know if there's some sort of message to be sent out here is like that that should be okay yeah it doesn't need to be you know I can and you can too like that whole thing it's just kind (laughs) of like hey we're you know I get you know you and I we all have dealing kind of the same yeah the same thing like yeah it's and they actually call it an artist block like we all have our artist block even though like like even if you're not like a musician or a painter or whatever we all have our little artist blocks we are we all we have that little bit of form of doubt or discouragement or just all around busy and just exhaustion because of how much stuff we have to worry about but just try to focus on what is what po- what is positive in your life right now you are working towards you know being a firefighter and that's awesome that is a huge chunk of what you're doing right now and that is not something to take lightly like you might not be doing as much music but sometimes you have to sacrifice or you know prioritize certain things to get where you want to go so well, I appreciate that because that's, you know, that's why I have to keep reminding myself. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, it's for a good reason. It's not out of laziness. Laziness. No, or, it's not. Yeah. You're just, you're doing you're doing what you need to do, and you're in the right place, and you'll get there. I know you are, because I will be there too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm working on a bunch of stuff right now, and I can, I have to kind of be my own cheerleader right now, and encourage myself to keep going um to know that at the end of the road or the end of this goal here is going to provide me a more time to work on my art and be more creative in a fun way not a forceful way yeah so yeah we'll get there for sure so to kind of change the subject a little (laughs) bit and kind of get a little bit more lightheaded or lightheaded oh dear (laughs) what are you putting this tea (laughs) (laughs) no i meant like a little bit more lighthearted uh before we (laughs) wrap it up here before we end the interview uh mark and i always want to incorporate this question into the interview just because it's a fun one and we just like to hear kind of other people's opinions so my question to you is if you were to have tea with anybody alive or dead, who would it be and why? Who would you have a heart to heart with or just a, you know, feel good conversation with? Uh, that's a really good question. So 
who comes to mind recent uh, uh, immediately is um, actually a friend of mine that just passed away. Um, Same. Just within the last couple of weeks, and I, um, it's been on and off my mind for a little while, and uh, I did intentionally not really bring it up in the interview pre uh, earlier on, but obviously that's the first thing that comes to mind. Partly is because she actually made a mean cup of tea. Oh, really? She did. She she had like jars of tea or like herbs on the shelf at my house. We we lived together um, for a short period, but it's still a pretty significant significant period. Um, we were pretty good friends, um, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but right. being that tea party, she was a big tea drinker, and we would sit down and actually did have conversations over tea. So that's who I would want to share a cup of tea with because I feel there was a lot of conversations that we were still supposed to have that yeah. didn't happen and now we never will. Yeah. So yeah. if I had to choose, I think that'd be it. That's as of right now, that's who I would want yeah, to Yeah, no, to. I think that's a, a perfect selection because the fact that you and her already had those tea parties, I'll, I'll call them tea parties, mm -hmm. uh, you got to kind of catch up and talk about a bunch of different things. And so it would be nice to have, you know, one more, you know, heart to heart tea party conversation with her and have her delicious tea. I bet she made amazing tea. That's exciting because mm -hmm. I don't, I have a couple of the herb ones, but a lot of them are just in the tea packets. So I bet she, her and I would uh, definitely have just a conversation of just about tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you definitely would. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Really good at it. Well, that's awesome. Okay. So I'm going to leave it off with one last question. Okay. Okay. So based off of musicians and we'll, we'll kind of fine tune the question here a little bit. You talked about how you're kind of in the metal, your interest is in metal music. Sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Primarily. So <laughs> primarily, so let's keep it in the metal genre. Which artist or musician or band would you like to collaborate with? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be your band collaborating with them, but you as an artist, you as a musician, who would you like to just kind of sit down and make music with? One of those top, you know, hmm. people that have already kind of made it and just kind of sit and make music. And That's a really good question because there's plenty that I would... And even ones that aren't metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's why I kind of uh, wanted to like shorten the list <laughs> yeah. for you. I know it's probably it's still difficult, but like, yeah. I just figured, you know, like as a musician, it would be kind of. I mean, unless you have one that just popped into your head that's not metal, you can um, go you for know that what? too. I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. Whether you want it or not. <laughs> okay. One's metal and one's not metal. Okay. Uh, the one, as far as metal bands go, which like, you know, it's not all about metal. Like I like everything. Yeah. That's just and what I, that I, was the, yeah, that yeah. was the big thing for me, um, you know, growing up and learning. Right. Play was right. Metal. I um, suppose. I, and I know that you're not just into metal. I just know that yeah. like to kind of fine tune the question a little bit, cause that is definitely sure. a hard one. I don't yeah. even know if I'd be able to answer that. Yeah, Actually I would be, but Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, if it was a metal band that we we're talking about, it'd probably be Gojira. Okay. They're one of my favorite metal bands. They have this have this way of being technical, but not technical at the same time. 
Like there's stuff that's way more sporadic and difficult and whatnot, you know, higher skill set than what it takes, you know, some of their stuff to play. But theirs is just so much better. Okay. And just has great taste. Obviously, they're very skilled. Yeah. And it still is pretty, can be difficult and technical. But, you know, they they have this perfect balance of, like, taste and technicality to it. Like, they're not trying to, like, just blow your mind with how fast they can play or all the notes they can play. It's, you know, it's about the music and the message that they send with it. And I think anybody can appreciate that. And yeah. any, especially anybody that knows Goodyear more specifically would know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. If there is any possibility of being able to write with them or contribute to like one of their songs would be like insane. Ugh, yeah. That'd be a dream. Yeah. If I had to choose another band and it wasn't a metal band, it'd probably be this band called Wolfpeck. Okay. It's like this minimalist funk slash jazz slash R&B, <laughs> like so many things. Cool. But like if you listen to some of their stuff it like you'd think it came from like the 70s like the 60s or 70s yeah but they just they are like the epitome of like collaborative bands like there's four members that are technically like just Volpec, and then every like almost any song that they have there's like a guest musician and they change around oh like, nice you know they their members play a bunch of different instruments like like theo is Theo Katzman's one of the members. He plays drums, he sings, he does guitar, he does piano. What's the guy? Uh, Jack. Jack is the other guy. He does pretty much all that but singing. And then Joe Dart's on bass. He only does bass because he's such a mat, like awesome bassist. Um, but then they have uh, all these different musicians joining in, like either singing or playing guitar or playing totally other instruments. They just do, they just do it all. Mm-hmm. And it's like they have such a wide set range of sound, but it all fits together. Nice. Um, so that sounds fun. It is fun. Like I highly encourage you to listen to them. Well, actually, no, I encourage you to watch their videos because <laughs> they, yeah, they just man. Nice. I could go okay, on a tangent so about t- them. Two of them. Nice. One metal and one not metal. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Well, we're gonna wrap it up here. I want to thank you, Trent for being my March interview. I appreciate you coming on and just kind of talking. And I know that we uh, mainly, when we hang out, we work out or, you know, do the game nights with our friends and stuff Mm. like that. But it's kind of cool to just be able to sit down. And I don't know, I I think I learned quite a bit about you that I didn't know before, you know. Um, I mean, I already knew (laughs) quite a bit, but there's still just like the moments where you, don't really get to do this all the time now to sit down with your friends and just really kind of talk to them now of course it was an interview so i i feel like at one point i might have interrogated (laughs) you or like an interrogation where i just put you know light towards your face and be like okay what's next (laughs) but even then i feel like it's kind of nice to it kind of forces us to just slow down for a sec and just kind of talk no, I really enjoyed this because it allows me to reflect on what yeah, I've done and yeah. what I'm doing. Just therapeutic in a way. Yeah, know? I think it is. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now we're going to have to have you back on the interview because all of our listeners and myself are going to have to uh, see where you're at once you've become a firefighter. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> if and when. Uh, oh, but, you mean when. <laughs> yes, if. 
No if. <laughs> no. No, comma. If. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> this stubborn guy. Yeah. Just trying right. to keep it humble. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Keeping it humble. But we're also trying to keep it positive here, too, and trying to, you know, positive mindset that you are, in fact, going to, your dreams are going to come true for sure. Thanks. I hope, yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, if you could let the listeners know where they can, you know, find your band and support your band, uh, where can they uh, yeah. follow you? Yeah. So uh, dangoband.com is our website. That's just D-A-N-G-O-B-A-N-D.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. The actual band name is Dang Apostrophe O, as I mentioned. I think the Instagram handle is dango underscore music. Yeah. That's it. No apostrophe <laughs> because they don't allow apostrophes on it. Oh, but yeah, you can follow us on any of those. Um, obviously, a lot of this interview is talking about how we're not doing much right now. <laughs> but so it almost seems counterintuitive. But I promise you there is more to come. And when well, we do even come just up to with... listen to the stuff that you have on right yeah. now. I'm... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's definitely true. Like we're on Spotify. Nice. Apple Music. Yeah. yeah, I probably should have started with that. Yeah, you can listen to us like right now. We're on Spotify. We're on all major streaming platforms. Just and then cut that out and just go straight to you being <laughs> Spotify and Apple Music. <laughs> no, it's already said and done. You can follow us on there. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Um, and we do have a nifty little website that I feel like doesn't get enough traction. But hey. It's still up and running, so yeah. check it out. Yeah. I put a lot of work into it yeah. years ago. So for all of you that uh, tuned in, you know, definitely check out Trent and his band um, and just kind of listen to the music he has. It's really good stuff. And, uh, yeah, if you have any additional thoughts or questions for us, you can always email us at team at thetcircle.life. Follow us on Instagram at thetcircle.life or even better, send in a voice message. You know, we always kind of encourage that. But uh, yeah, if you have any questions for us or Trent, you know, we can obviously uh, forward those questions along to him. But uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Trent. You're welcome. Thank you.